Well, hey, what's going on? Happy Tuesday. Nick Kirby here, and welcome to Chatterbox Reds, proudly sponsored by DSC Commodities. This is your home for daily Cincinnati Reds content, all spring training, with new episodes seven days a week, recapping each of the Reds' Cactus League games. Well, the Reds played two games on Monday. I'll tell you about everything that happened in both of those games in a minute, and later on, an interview with the one and only John Sadak. But first, I want to be sure to tell you about our proud sponsor, that is Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks so much, as always, to our friends at DSC. All right, well, let's start with the bad news. Get that out of the way. Reds lost 2-0 to the Mariners and Goodyear, Arizona. Reds were just one hit in this game, and unfortunately, Reds picked the wrong one to televise. This was the one on TV, the Bally Sports Ohio, John Sadak, Chris Welsh, Jim Day season debut. Andrew Abbott, though, on the pitching side, was really sharp in this game. Uh, two perfect innings, struck out one batter, uh, up to 94 miles an hour on his fastball. Here is what Andrew Abbott had to say after the game. Definitely felt good to get you know the first game under your belt and be efficient at that. Um, just able to apply what I was able to do during spring, uh, the off season and then early spring training, and hopefully we can take it from there and run with it. Well, I was getting the fastball in for sure. Um, didn't really get any many or not a lot of comfortable swings off, so that was good. I didn't really throw many off-speed pitches. Um, I couldn't really tell you how many there were, but so that's mainly what the bullpen was. Is, you know, just trying to work on pitches I didn't really touch in the games and just making sure to fine-tune those a little bit. It's been fun. You know, I uh, had a great training program this year and just really had to stay on it and, you know, try to come out here, get acclimated early, you know, get some get some more bullpens under my belt and, you know, we feel good. Health is number one and, you know, hopefully we keep going. You know, I did a lot of, like, conditioning, a lot of weightlifting because, you know, first thing that went on me last year with legs. So just taking what I learned from last year and being able to apply it, at least in my training, you know, trying to not overwork them, but work them enough to where when we get to that later part of the season that they don't break down as easy. Some other pitchers in this one for the Reds, Lyon Richardson, a two innings pitch, just gave up one hit, one walk uh, in this one. Pretty strong effort from Lyon Richardson in his spring debut. Lucas Sims threw a perfect inning with a strikeout, and Brent Suter in his Reds debut uh, threw an inning, gave up one hit, no runs, no walks, and one strikeout. Uh, obviously, not much going on in a game where you get one hit. The lone hit came from our guy, Jacob Herdebees, who entered the game later and hit a opposite field single. Herdebees also made a nice running catch in this one. TJ Friedel, 0 for 2. Christian Encarnacion Strand, 0 for 3. Tyler Stevenson, 0 for 2. Now 0 for 4 so far this spring. And Jamer Candelario still in search of his first hit with the Reds, 0 for 2. He's now 0 for 5. In this game, Jose Barrero played right field. We'll talk a little bit more later with John Sadek about that. Uh, Barrero did have the only Reds walk of the day, but was thrown out trying to steal. Uh, Josh Harrison playing second base in this game. Did misplay a ball um, with Lyon Richardson on the mound. Wasn't technically scored in air, but it was a pretty ugly misplay. All right, to the good news. Reds won 8-3 over the Brewers out in Maryville. Arizona, that is just outside of Phoenix. Nick Martinez made his Reds debut, and it was a good one. Uh, two innings, no hits, no runs, one walk, two strikeouts. Um, Casey Legamina threw an inning in this one, one hit, no runs, no walks, one strikeout. 
Chase Petty in this one. He threw an inning of work. Did give up a run in two hits. Um, but from Prospect Tilt over on Twitter, uh, Petty didn't exactly have his command, but sat 96 to 98 on the gun, topped out at 99 miles an hour. Rhett Louder, Reds prize uh, prospect, uh, their top pick from last season. He threw an inning, gave up one hit, no runs, no walks, struck out two. See Trent Rosecrans reported that the hit that he allowed was a broken bat opposite field hit. Both strikeouts that he got were looking through 13 pitches. Ten of them were strikes, hit 95 on the gun. The Brewers radio was also really impressed with Rhett Louder's performance. Uh, Christian Roa, a guy that was added to the 40-man roster this past offseason, did struggle, ending in two-thirds, three hits, two earned runs, struggled with his command, two walks, and no strikeouts. The Stuart Fairchild show continued on so far this spring. Stuart hit another home run. He's already got two so far this spring. Stuart Fairchild uh, fighting for a roster spot. Ellie De La Cruz had a nice afternoon, two for three, opposite field double. Jake Fraley doubled, stole a base. Will Benson walked, stole a base. Reese Hines hit a bomb in this one. Uh, also a player that was added to the Reds' 40-man roster this offseason. Uh, so good to see from uh, we're going to see Reese Hines have a nice, nice afternoon. And then Tyler Callahan, who played well on uh, the other day, two for two with a double in this one as well. Uh, this game was just littered with prospects. Carlos Jorge, Jay Allen, and Austin Hendrick all appeared in this game. Uh, one big news note around the NL Central, the St. Louis Cardinals signed Brandon Crawford. Uh, the shortstop, uh, probably to be some insurance for Mason Wynn, maybe to be his backup, maybe to push him. Answer to see how that plays out. Uh, but the Cardinals did sign Brandon Crawford. All right. Well, here is our interview with John Sadak. Stick around for uh, some information on today's game at the end of the show. All right. Joined now by the one and only John Sadak, live from Arizona. John, how you doing, my man? How's uh, How's life treating you? I am awesome. Uh, life is incredibly kind to me. Uh, the, the fact that I get a chance to see you and talk to you, and uh, and uh, how pumped for this red season! I this is the most excited I've ever been in advance of a baseball season. The combination of of the fun factor of this team, of their contagious energy, and how good they can be. I I think there's a very reasonable expectation of postseason, and who knows what happens after that. And this is coming after a guy that just called a team that only got one hit all day. He's still right. excited. I love it. <laughs> Spring training doesn't matter. Uh, but we'll talk a lot about uh, Saturday and Sunday because that was uh, a lot better. Uh, John, I want to ask you, we'll ask you a little bit about today, your first game. Um, on the call with uh, with Chris Wells and Jim Day and just the, all the excitement of that. Uh, but I want to go back to Sunday because we didn't get to see it. Uh, we heard the uh, the angelic voice of Tommy Thrall call the game for us. But what do you think of Hunter Green debuting his new curveball, his splitter? What do you think of him on Sunday? I liked it a lot. Um, you know, he, he goes full on that first guy and he winds up losing him to a walk and then strikes out the side thereafter. I think having some alternatives that can help keep hitters honest with the fastball is great. And, you know, I think in a perfect world, the true changeup maybe is that ideal pitch. Uh, but I think the splitter, there are many super successful guys who use the splitter exactly as that kind of alternative. And I think a breaking ball, a true curve, you know, in combination of its shape um, and the speed difference is another massive weapon 
if utilized appropriately. Uh, so I love that, you know, in spring training, try to use these new toys that you've been tinkering with and integrate them into a game situation and see what you can land and execute in a game and know, you know, what kind of is in your toolbox going into a year. I, I, I think refining command of the fastball is critical. I think the margin for error there is somewhat thin on a relative level. Um, but this is just another layer to help keep hitters honest. Because when he's locked in, we've seen it for long stretches for, you know, six to eight weeks at a time. When he's locked in, he is authoritatively dominant. All right. Let me ask you about some of the pitchers that you did get to see uh, on Monday. Because I know you you prepared for them and everything else with uh, with the call. Andrew Abbott, two perfect innings today. Uh, jumping right off the bat, uh, matching Luis Castillo. Yeah, I think the the thing that really stands out about Abbott is he misses barrels, and because there were a lot of swings fairly early from this Mariners team, and it was very hard for them to square him. I think that's a combination of the deception that he has in his fastball, of his understanding of reading hitters. You know, we talk about that being a lost art, and there's a lot of truth to that. Um, and, and Abbott's almost a throwback in that regard. He very much is reading swings and reading the physical tendency of the hitter. Um, he looked exactly like he did when he first burst onto the big league scene. I, it, it was that kind of version of Abbott. Um, yeah, and the words you hear from Abbott in advance of this spring and then during the course of the spring, you know, he talks about how he felt his arm last year was fine. He never felt he had any arm issue, but he did have issue with overall body core strength more than leg drive and uh, that was a big focus in working with tj antone and being in texas during the course of the offseason uh but he's a strike thrower and on a staff where they are readily speaking about embracing throwing more strikes being an organizational goal that guy was peppering the zone with strikes today lion richardson came in after him through two really uh solid innings uh i, I think he had a, a an air go against him um as well but was able to to pitch around it Kind of feel like he's kind of a forgotten guy among this plethora of Reds pitching. Uh, like I was really, really good for about three or four months last year, and then I feel like maybe just ran out of gas last year. But he looked really good today. He did, and uh, and his big focus, something that Chris Welsh relayed during our broadcast when he spoke to Lion, uh, was throwing more strikes, just being more consistent with his command and being in the zone. Have faith in the stuff and to make sure that you execute. Because um, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, he he went over four different levels. He was A, double A, triple A, and the big leagues. Never had more than 46 innings in any one level. That's a giant series of jumps to make in the confine of one year. Um, and, and I would agree with the way you're framing him as a kind of a forgotten dude. That you know, There were so many pieces that helped the Reds different stages late last year, but some of them were honestly not that projectable. It was kind of like found money that they, they gave you a good start or two he's a young man that really does have that go-forward potential. Um, I think as a starter, he's still trying to develop all of his pitches. But I also wonder, with the depth of this team, depending upon how things kind of come together, if everyone can remain healthy and be one of the better versions of themselves, could we see some of these young guys that could profile as starters perhaps help the team in a relief role in the, the here and now if if they're full bore, full strength? Uh, one more pitcher I want to ask you about. Uh Brett Suter uh, made his uh, Reds the debut, spring debut. Uh, what's going to just, did you, I don't know if you got a chance to to, to meet Brent and uh, uh, what was your thoughts about him? So uh, I actually got to spend time with him on the caravan. Uh, so he was one of the guys I got to to know the most in this offseason. 
fantastic human being. I mean, just a, a great dude, tremendous teammate, a really smart student of the game. Uh, I love that the Reds are now looking at David Bell said today that he plans to have ideally at least two lefties in the bullpen. Uh, and he was asked, would you have a cap to that? Is there like a ceiling where you'd almost have too many? He said, no, I want the best bullpen I can get. There's no limit. Um, Chris brought this up on the air, the idea of going multiple innings and the value that that can bring, uh, because that's that's not as commonplace anymore. The drop-off in being used for more than one inning in productivity can be bigger. That's throughout baseball. But that's what Brent can give you. Brent can be that longer guy, can bridge more often. Um, and he's just such a different look. Uh, he's constantly tinkering with himself. I think he can keep the run game in check. I think... I think we're going to see more run game from everyone in baseball. Anyone who has athleticism, they're paying attention what the Reds and the Diamondbacks did last year. They're going to, it's a copycat industry. Uh, we're going to see more teams try to be more aggressive with that. And shaving two seconds with men on base, I do think will have some select impact. He's the kind of guy that can neutralize that. Uh, but not only his ability to get outs and what he can do as a pitcher, I also think his value just sitting in that bullpen watching what's happening and the dialogue that he can have with his teammates out there can have tremendous impact. I like that point about the suitor in the run game. That's uh, really a, a fascinating thing to watch. Jose Barrero out in right field today. Uh, what was your thoughts on, on Jose Barrero? Uh, I don't think I've ever seen him in right field. Maybe, maybe I have. It hasn't been a lot. It's never happened. I asked David Bell about it this morning because in all his time in the minors and the big leagues, his outfield time had always come in center field. Um, and that's something that David talked about in advance of spring, that the plan was he's going to get more reps outfield than infield, and they would like him cross-trained to learn all three. We did see one fly ball to him and right flummox him a bit. He did not get the cleanest read. He made the play, uh, but it was a little bit of a circuitous route. He was off balance when he made the catch. Uh, and it's something that Chris talked about on the air that – in his opinion, he feels playing the corners is even more challenging than center because of that tail, because the spin you have to learn to read off the ball. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the bigger po competitions for a spot on this team uh, is that probably that backup center fielder spot. T.J. Friedel, you feel like you can ink in every day. and He certainly showed with the bunt game. He's very capable against lefties, even swinging away too. Uh, but who would be that other center fielder? probably between Barrero and Stuart Fairchild. Um, and, you know, Stewie's a guy with good speed that could play all three spots. So if Barrero, to kind of give you that same dimension, probably has to achieve something similar to that. And uh, he's very toolsy. He's very athletic. Um, and he's just a, a great, great human being, a great teammate. But it hasn't really clicked for him, particularly with off-speed, good-breaking stuff in the big leagues. He's proven a triple-A. He can handle that. It's really going to be about hitting that big league pitching. If he can give that defensive diversity, that, that's a big, big plus for him. Are you surprised they're not playing him all at all at second base with McLean and India both at least on the shelf at this time? Uh, not a whole lot because I think you also have Steer and Candelario. Um and, you know, they've talked about last year, David said that uh, when he spoke with Steer, they kind of thought that second base might be his truly best position. And he's very willing and able to move around to try to make sure the bats in the lineup and to help the team. Uh, but I, I think they do have such a gluttony, you know, that um, could he get a, some reps there at some point? Yeah, I think that's possible. 
But I, I think they, they already have such a redundancy of other options that are more established in the big leagues that that doesn't surprise me as much. The fit in the outfield is a right-handed hitting bat um, that also could be a speed guy that if he can get on base some, he can impact this team. I think there's probably more value and need there. It wouldn't be a podcast talking to anyone in spring training without asking about Ellie De La Cruz. I know you guys had a story on the broadcast today about how he's working on bunting with uh, uh, Brent Butler. Uh, I know Ellie was at the other game, but what's kind of your your impression of Ellie so far at camp? Uh, first at bat I saw, the first game when I flew out here on Friday, they got it underway against Cleveland. He had some amazing takes in advance of that little bloop opposite way hit. I love that he ultimately went opposite way. That apparently was part of his focus when some of the T drills he was doing with Cano. Uh, but his feel to be able to take those pitches, and I think a big part of it is the the nuance change that he made in his stance and his load. He's not doing that uh, that modified leg lift anymore. Um, and you know, part of it is I was speaking with Barry Larkin my first full day out here, and he said he had a conversation with Juan Soto and Ellie De La Cruz, and he was relaying a story from Hank Aaron. And it was when Lark was a player, and Hank Aaron asked him, he was using a car analogy. He asked, what do you drive? And at the time, he drove a pickup truck. It was like an F-250. I drive an F-250. What do you think is the most important thing in that car? Uh, the engine? No. The transmission? No. Guess wrong, wrong, wrong. The most important thing is the brakes, because if you get going and you can't stop, you're out of control. And he made the analogy to being a hitter, that – if you're loading up and you can't find a way to stop when you recognize non-hittable ball, not a strike, breaking ball, you're guessing wrong, then you're going to have a really hard time. And they apparently used that analogy with Ellie, and it instantly clicked, like the idea of what it was. And it was something that, that Soto had recognized and talked about with him as well. Um, cutting down the strikeout rate has to be one of the goals. That has to be something uh, about his game. And I think if you combine that with the idea that if he can execute the bunt occasionally and get base hits with it, you're you're adding so many other dimensions. Because I, I think one of the under-the-radar elements about Ellie last year, and apparently some of the advanced data backs this up, this is stuff that's outside my sphere. I can't speak in the, the lexicon with any real confidence. But I felt it this way watching it. Um, Ellie gets pitched harder than pretty much anybody else. And I think there are several factors in that. Um, not only what he's capable of doing with this physical tool set to impact the game, but I also have to imagine, like, these are human beings pitching. One of his first major moments was a, a highlight where he destroyed a baseball from an established major league pitcher. Nobody wants to be on the wrong end of that highlight. In the same way, like, you don't want to get posterized in a basketball game. You don't want to give up an Ellie moment in a game where you're essentially on the receiving end of it. And I, I have to think that's part of it. Like, that's got to be... I don't want to get embarrassed. I want to get this guy out, and I think there may be opportunities to do so. But I think all of that factors in together. Um, so I'm highly encouraged by what we've seen. It's spring training. It's early. Um, but he is seemingly saying and doing all of the right things to become the best version of himself. All right. I, I know I could ask you this question, and you could probably go on for, for 20 minutes on it, but we'll try to limit it. Uh, John, who's one player – so far this spring, it can be someone in the that's in minor league camp, or it could be someone in major league camp. Just one player that's kind of stood out to you that that's impressed you. Um, I think the the name so far is, is Frankie Montas. Uh, what he's done apparently in his bullpens, 
yes, the leadership and the stewardship of the players, that's been chronicled and good. And I like the chutzpah of, uh, you know, when, when Gordon Whitmire asked him about the Pakota rankings and what do you think about the Reds being projected to have a losing record? And he says, I think I'm going to win 20 games. So I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, but like his stuff looks really good. Like, and he's executing and hitting spots really well. And if he's healthy and could be the best version of him, that's a huge ad for this team, a huge ad. And uh, I think to call him an unknown is inaccurate uh, in terms of his ability, but it is unknown for how much impact he can have. I mean, he saw the field very little with the Yankees last year. The injury is a legitimate concern. So far, he looks to be in great shape, and his stuff is excellent. All right, John. Uh, I always love turning on CBS Sports Network and seeing if you're calling a game out in Boise State or wherever else. I think you said on the broadcast your next Reds broadcast is March 15th. Uh, Correct. What are you doing between them? Where can Reds fans find you? Um, I'm leaving actually tomorrow morning, uh, fly to Richmond at VCU, Rhode Island on Wednesday. Uh, I'll have some more matching. I'll have uh, OU on Friday night. Uh, then I go to Buffalo the next week. Uh, then I'm at Toledo. Then I go to the Big South Championship on radio. Then I'm at the Summit League Championship in the Dakotas on TV. And then I'm back in Arizona for a few days in advance of our next telecast. And I think I'm going to be on the tournament on radio in Memphis, it sounds like. Uh, that'll be a Friday-Sunday site this year. Awesome. Well, John, uh, looks like you got a busy month. Really appreciate you taking some time to uh, uh, chat with us, and uh, can't wait to see you on the Reds broadcast again. Thanks so much for having me. Go Reds! Big year! All right, well, the Reds will play at 3.05 on Tuesday at Sloan Park in Mesa, Arizona against the Chicago Cubs. The game will be on TV on MLB TV via the Cubs broadcast, also on 1360 WSAI-AM. This will be the debut of Frankie Montas. Talking a lot about Frankie Montas on the Reds broadcast on Monday, about how he's been just the talk of camp. Is He looks great. He's been a leader, been great for the, the young pitcher. So really excited to see what Frankie Montas looks here today. Well, thanks so much to everyone again for tuning in. Appreciate all of the support that everyone continues uh, to give us here with Chatterbox Reds. Uh, if you're not subscribed, be sure to subscribe. New podcast every single day, seven days a week. Yes, even Saturday and Sundays. And I'll keep them very short and sweet on Saturday and Sunday for you. Just a quick recap. But every single day we'll have a recap of each of the Red Spring training games. If you haven't left us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast, that really helps us out. It takes two seconds. Just leave a five-star review um, that'll help us continue to grow the show um, and and uh, hopefully uh, be able to provide even more content for you in the future. Some programming notes here on Chatterbox Sports on this Tuesday. Of course, off the bench at 10 a.m. on Chatterbox Sports. Trace and the guys will be uh, talking all things local sports. You never know where they'll go with their show, but looking forward to that. And then also Chatterbox Bearcats will be live uh, after uh, Cincinnati plays number one Houston. On the road, could the Bearcats shock the world? Chuck and Udini, they'll be live um, around 8.45 or so um, a- after the game for Chatterbox Bearcats postgame. That, of course, is on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Well, hope that you have a fantastic Tuesday. Happy Frankie Montas Day. And as always, go Reds.